This podcast is brought to you by On Track Studio. Welcome back to Mind Your Head. This week's guest is the one and only me. I sit down with Sophie Wilson from Big Brand Energy Podcast and we speak about my own personal journey and what led to creating Mind Your Head Podcast. Hi everyone, welcome to Big Brand Energy today. I have on an honourable guest, a client of mine. His name is Elliot Hagen. You may have seen him on Instagram going under the, the name of Mind Your Head. Elliot, welcome to Big Brand Energy. Thank you very much for having me. Very excited to be on. Yeah, it's going to be a really good episode, I I think, um, given that you know, you've had me on your your podcast and now it's just returning the favour, just keeping it even. Yeah, loving it. So you've gone and done the unthinkable. You've actually gone and started a podcast. Yeah. Can you just start by telling everyone about what your podcast is about, what led you to be- beginning the whole journey? The podcast is about encouraging people to be vulnerable with each other, essentially, to open up with each other and to be honest with yourself. If you've got any doubts, anything you're struggling with, I'm trying to create a space where people can open up to each other and seek help if you need it. What led me down this road was uh, I work away in the mines. I operate machinery for 12 hours a day. And when I first started the job, I was listening to a lot of music and I realized I could spend a bit more time um, through self-development, listening to podcasts and that sort of thing. And I listened to a podcast that featured an ex-NRL player, and I won't say his name because I'm trying to get him on my podcast, so mm. I want to keep that as a surprise. But he's, his podcast, he spoke about his time playing professional rugby and his battles he had with anxiety and depression and how that led to alcohol and drug abuse. And for the first time in my life, he put into words exactly how I felt during my 20s. And before that, I, I couldn't put into words myself. I couldn't explain it to someone how I felt, what I went through. I just couldn't articulate it. And for the very first time, I heard it put into words exactly how it felt for me. And from that moment, I realized like, holy shit, I'm, maybe I'm not alone in this. Maybe there's other people that have been through similar things. And what also led to the podcast was I thought, I, I don't want to be mining for the, my whole life. It's a pretty tough gig. And I'm trying to think, what am I passionate about? I love chatting to people. I love my mates would always poke fun at me that I'll always I'll chat to a stranger and I'll be there for an hour and a half. And now I know them, <laughs> like best friends with them. So <laughs> I love I love chatting to people, and I've I've been through some stuff myself. I've always wanted to be creative, and I thought a podcast would be a great thing to do. I've got some friends who have been through some pretty heavy stuff. I've got some family members who have been through some pretty heavy stuff and I think what a good opportunity would be for us to share our experiences and hopefully help someone like that player did for me. Mm. And yeah, and then it's just sort of taken off and snowballed. It certainly has. Mm. It's pretty incredible. Since you've started, you've had a few questions. I know you've told me about people coming up to you saying, what's what's your story, Elliot? Like, yeah. You're having these great conversations and you and you do a very good job at storytelling throughout your interviews. But part of the reason I wanted to get you on this podcast was to actually give you an opportunity to talk about your own mental health journey because I think it's an important story. I know you've opened up to me about it and I think it in itself could help a lot of people. So would you care to share your darkest day? Yeah, I uh, would love to. It's a bit of a long story. We love those. To tell the story properly, I think I would have to go back and talk about my dad's upbringing. Mm -hmm. I think we won't go too much deep into it, but he had a really, really tough upbringing. And his defense mechanism was if he showed emotion, he would get sort of preyed upon, he would get abused. So his defense mechanism was not showing any emotion. So as he grew up, not showing any emotion was a, was a sign of strength. So I love my dad. We had such a good childhood. But if I had anything going on mentally, dad would just sort of tell me to get on with it. It, it wasn't a sort of a space where I could just tell them my worries, my doubts. And that continued on all through my childhood. I, I think it's also a generational thing. Mm. And that just continued on. And I, I think I 
didn't voice any of my concerns or anxieties, even throughout school. I was a very anxious kid socially as well. And I vividly remember when it really, when I, when I really noticed it was I did a gap year in the army. I got out and then eight of, eight of my good mates, we all went to Canada together. Mm-hmm. And it was such a good trip. I think we were there for four or five weeks. We were snowboarding and traveling around Canada and we're all drinking at the cabin one night and all of a sudden it was such a good night and all of a sudden I got this overwhelming feeling of like darkness and sadness mm-hmm. and I remember just sitting at the table kind of like this, everyone was chatting and I just felt like everything just closed in on me. I ignored everything else and I just felt so much sadness and I was just thinking why am I, why am I so sad right now? Like I'm in Canada with all my best mates having the best time. And it lasted for about five minutes. And as quick as it came, as quick as it was gone. And I remember just getting out of it, just going, what the hell was that feeling? And it didn't happen at all, like, for the rest of the trip. And I remember coming back, and Dad said, how was your trip? And I said, it was great, but something happened. And he was like, what happened? I was like, I felt really sad. He goes, for how long? I go, for about five minutes. I just felt really, really, like, really sad, like as a cloud over me. And he's had some mental health issues with his side of the family, suicide, um, drug abuse, alcohol abuse. So I think he sort of got a bit worried. And that continued on, that, that anxiety, that, um, that feeling of deep sadness um, continued on when I was playing footy to the point where, again, I didn't know how to express it. I couldn't put it into words. I didn't feel like going to my parents, um, I could open up to them. As, it, as I got older, I thought I could just push it down. I thought I could just forget about it. Or at the same time, I thought, maybe next year it will be gone. Maybe I can just grow out of it. Maybe it's just a, yeah, a teenage thing. Maybe when I get to my 20s, um, grow a little bit older, hopefully it will go. And I played that game for five years I just was like maybe next year will be gone next year will be gone and every year that went on it just got worse and worse and worse and it got to a point where I started experimenting with with drugs and for the very very first time when I started using drugs it was like such a euphoric feeling because when people take drugs it might hype them up and go party and whatnot but for me it calmed me down it silenced all the noise in my head and it was such a Relief. It was one of the best feelings at that time that I could have was being on a high and just having nothing going on in my head. And the other feeling that made me feel like that was playing rugby. So for 80 minutes on a Saturday, nothing else mattered. There was no other thoughts going on, no anxieties, no other worries about the future or the past. When I was playing a game, nothing else mattered. And as soon as that whistle blew, the game was over, all these feelings and emotions were just kind of rushing back in again and I was like oh fuck so I felt like I was addicted to that feeling I don't know if I was addicted to rugby but I was addicted to that feeling that it was like a release what spiraled out of control was that I needed that feeling more and more so I couldn't wait till Saturday so once I started experimenting with drugs and thinking whoa I can have this any day of the week and but at the same time I knew it was bad for me so it was like a it was like I was going around in circles, getting worse and worse and worse, taking more drugs, wanting that high to be more. And as I was taking more drugs, rugby was going down the hole. Like my priorities shifted, whereas I wanted to play professional rugby. I was putting all my effort into that. But then on the, on, during the week, I was taking drugs just to silence all that noise in my head, um, thinking that was the only answer. That went on for about four or five years. Um, didn't talk to anyone about it, just thought, like when you're a kid, when you're young, you just think that this time in your life is going to last forever. And then you forget that you're getting older. You fit, you know, before you know it, there's five years gone and you just haven't, you haven't done any real hard work around your mental health. You've just like put a bandaid over it. Just done drugs, played footy, done drugs, played footy. One season I got injured, wasn't playing good footy. I was down myself, stuck in that party mode of just taking drugs. And I remember... I was in a relationship at the time and I th- this is me thinking that the relationship's the issue. I'm feeling this because of the relationship. So I was in a five-year relationship, broke up with her, couldn't tell her a reason, 
couldn't tell her why I was doing it. I just felt like that was the solution to the problem. Um, she moved overseas. Then I was stuck by myself and the feeling was still there. And I was like, fuck, well, that wasn't the problem. I've just ended a relationship for no reason. Then I got more down on myself. And then I remember going out, had a, had a large amount of drugs and came back to my apartment and then didn't want the day to end. I didn't want to, get, I didn't want to wake up and then feel all these feelings again. I just wanted this high to keep going and going. And I remember looking at my hand, I had a handful of drugs and I was like, yeah, I've had too much, but like I don't want it to end. So fuck it. Like if I die, I die. And I remember taking and thinking, oh, well, like, whatever, like, I don't, if I live, we'll find out tomorrow or whatever. I was just really carefree and just didn't disregard for my own health. But that was Friday night and then I woke up on, I thought it was Saturday, but I actually woke up on Sunday. I pissed myself, there was vomit on the ground and me being in so much denial, I just had a shower, had a feed, went to work on Monday and just didn't acknowledge it, didn't. Um, didn't sink in I just was in so much denial that that was some sort of attempt and then later in the year I decided silly enough like I was just still in that same headspace like nothing changed really I just put it to the side like ignored it and later in that year I went down to Sydney on a uh, for New Year's it was like a three-day bender you know things I shouldn't be doing Um, surrounded by people that I probably shouldn't be surrounded by at that time like um, probably just not the best people for that headspace that I was in. Um, not bad people, but just I shouldn't have been in that situation. And then I remember getting back from down in Sydney and I it was like three days without sleep. And then I got back and I, on the fourth day, I tried to sleep and I couldn't sleep. My body was just shocking, shocking me awake. I was like, that's weird. So I got four days, like no sleep, like just feeling so run down. And then on the fifth, fifth night, I tried to go to sleep. And I had the same thing. My body was just shocking me awake. Like I think my whole nervous system was just fried. And then I thought, no, I've got to like, I've got to check myself in the hospital. Like I've got to go to emergency. Like I can't. I don't know why my body's not letting me sleep. And went to the nurses at the hospital there and told them what I had. Told them what happened. I was in down in Sydney. I was at a big bender. Even then, I was trying to play it down to them. I was almost lying to them, saying I've just like what happened. Oh, I've just you know I've just had a big night like. It's all right, like trying to convince them. And I remember they did some blood tests and my, like, my piss was like black almost. Like I was so dehydrated. And I remember they were hooking me up to a drip and they had a, like a, a card and a water next to me in the hospital bed and they were, um, they, you can't leave until all this water's gone. Like you're just so dehydrated. Uh, I remember calling my parents because at that time I was so broke in terms like I was spending all my money on drugs and I remember my mum I think my mum paid for that admission to the hospital and then she was like well why do you what's what's up and they I think they knew all those years I think they knew something was up but we never we just never said those words to each other and mum and dad were on the phone and they said what's up I went down to Sydney just had a big week everything's fine like don't worry Looking back on it now, like I could tell the tone of their voice, like they were so worried about me. I remember them saying, like, just please, like, we love you, just look after yourself. And I was like, yep, yep, yep. And I hung up, hung up the phone, and I remember just laying in the hospital bed, and it, it just really hit me, like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? Like, mum and dad sacrificed so much for me and my two brothers. Come over from New Zealand, put in so much hard work. They, they dedicated their whole life, pretty much, to be raising their children, um, working so many hours, did, working so many different jobs um, just to put food on the table and send us to a good school and, and raise good boys. And then how am I repaying them? I'm just throwing it all away for no good reason. And I remember laying in the hospital bed and I just, it was like a flick of the switch. It was, it was some people need to go to rehab or need to go to counsellors. I remember just laying in the hospital bed and it's, it was like someone just flicked a switch at the back of my head and everything else changed. My whole mindset was like, nah, I need to change. I need to, I need to stop what I'm doing. I can't keep going down this road because like, it's going to get worse than this. You know? And I don't want to get worse than this. I think that was a, a pretty close to rock bottom for me. I think that really scared me. I think I, I scared a lot of my friends and I scared a lot of my family and 
I think they all knew that I was going down a road that one point I probably wouldn't be able to come back from. Um, and then I moved from Brisbane back to the sunny coast, stopped doing drugs, stopped doing alcohol, went and saw a psychologist for the first time. I think that was my biggest fear was, I think what stopped me was, was fear. I was so scared of seeking help. I was so scared of unlocking all those suppressed emotions and opening that can of worms. Mm. And I was just so afraid. Like I was very immature. I was a very, I wasn't very emotionally intelligent. I was a child, even at 28, 27, 28, I was still looking back on it now. I was such a little boy. I didn't show much courage. I didn't, I didn't want to do the hard work. I didn't want to um, put all that effort into try to fixing myself. I would rather just um, procrastinate and thinking like I would just get by procrastinating. But with your mental health, with anything really, like especially your mental health, you can procrastinate as much as you like, but at some point it's going to catch up to you. And it, it caught up to me when I was 28, 29. Finally went and saw a psychologist. I bit the bullet and went and saw a psychologist thinking it would be the most terrifying thing in the world. And it was just like this. And <laughs> it was beautiful. You love chatting. Love chatting. And I remember doing three sessions with uh, a wonderful woman and thinking that she was going to do all these weird little like tips and methods and all this sort of strange shit and all she did was listen to me mm. did three sessions and she goes what's up and I would sort of start speaking and then when there would be a break she goes what else and then I would think and I go what else and then I would keep talking and then it'll be an hour go by and then she was like how do you feel I go much better and I go cool I'll see you next week mm. and we did three sessions that and all I did was just talk I just talked for three sessions let everything out. She gave me some breathing exercises and some little tips and how to manage it. And then I think that was the beginning. I think I needed, I just needed to release everything. Everything was just bottled up. She was just, she said some things like me being so immature, I I thought I'm the only one going through this. Mm. And what she told me was, you're not the first person to go through this and you won't be the last person to go through this. And she's like, I'm seeing people right now that have been in your position and are so much better. So there's hope. Do not, do not think that this is incurable or don't think that you can't get better. It's just little habits, little habits in your routine that you've just got to change. And one was surrounding myself with, with the right people. Nutrition was a big one. Sleep was a big one. Something that I really valued was um, financial support. So when I have got a job and I'm earning money, that really affects my mental health. So when I was spending all my money on drugs and I couldn't buy food, that was just spiraling me out of, out of, out of control. Security is like a basic new human need. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, and then that was, that was the very beginning of sort of the journey. Um, and then it's um, since then I've been peeling back layers every year of trying to figure out my reactivity and, yeah, and how I... Uh, my my patience levels and I'm getting to know myself. As soon as you start it, I'm starting to know myself deeper and deeper and deeper every year. And I think it's a combination of me maturing. I think when I got to 30, I became really self-aware of my tics, my, who I am as a person. I think when I was 20 to 30, I just ignored it or wasn't aware of it or too immature to really realize who I am as a person, my personality traits, what angers me. I think in your 20s, I think I was... You don't really think about why that makes you angry. I think you just think about the anger itself. But when I, I don't know why, I turned 30 and I just was really like, when I got angry, I was like, what does make me angry? What is it? Yeah, and I just went through a whole, whole journey of, I, I really wanted to better myself. And I, had to think, I think I had a responsibility to my mum and dad, to my friends, to my girlfriend that I want to be a better person. And... I really need to take accountability for the choices that I make and the decisions that I make. Mm. And I started down this journey of, look, I want to be the best version that I can be. And I don't want to make any excuses. I don't want to half-ass it. Let's get to the bottom of some of my things. And, and recently, that's, that's led me down. Uh, I've had a few concussions playing rugby, a few more than I should have, some pretty bad ones. So I recently went down to... Um, the Macquarie University in Sydney to do some some tests, some brain tests to make sure I haven't got to CTE or the early stages of CTE. I 
I don't know. I can't remember what CTE stands for. We won't quiz you. It's a it's a long word, but it's pretty much just uh, repetitive brain injury. Right. So trauma to the head. Um, there's a lot of rugby players, a lot of contact sport players, NFL players that have been diagnosed with it. And a lot of the things, a lot of the symptoms are mood swings, depression thoughts or anxiety, a lot of anger, reactivity. And they sort of like ticked a lot of boxes that I was feeling. So I was really, really worried that the effects of concussions have, have had a huge impact on me. And then also I went and saw a psychiatrist to dive deeper into some of my mood swings and mood levels. And we're still doing um, appointments at the moment now because I was fearing that I had bipolar or a mood disorder. And he's, we're still doing more tests at the moment now, but I think what we've sort of come to conclusion is that there is a, a spectrum, I guess, of of that. And at the moment, he thinks I'm down the the low end of the spectrum. I thought I was, I thought I was pretty bad, but he gave me some reassurance to know that you're not as bad as you think you are. Your highs are, are normal, but your lows are a little bit lower than everyone else's. So, it's it's given me some answers because I I knew that I knew some of the feelings uh, aren't normal. Uh, the little, depth of them. The depth of them, it just aren't normal. Um, and it scared me. And before, I would just ignore them. And I said, nah, I'm not ignoring all this shit anymore. Like, I'm not being a child. I'm going to show a bit of bravery and courage. And I'm going to go seek answers for some of these things that are worrying me. Because I want to be better. Like, I want to have kids someday. I want to be a dad. And I want to be a, the best dad. And I don't want to carry these wounds over to my kids. Um, so I want to put in the effort now rather than potentially carry something over to my kids. Mm. So I want to put all the effort in now. And yeah, it's been an eye-opening journey so far. And like we, I think we talked about earlier, like I wish I did this earlier mm. in my 20s, but I don't think I was at a space where I, I could do it. So I think everything, all the timings happened for a reason. I hope that answers your question. It like, does, yeah. it does. When you were talking about your parents' sort of viewing you and sort of knowing something's up mm. prior to when you were lying on the hospital bed. Did you, do you feel like you were aware of how bad things were or were you in full denial? I was in full denial until I got off the phone to my parents. Right. I think the phone call to my parents, I could hear their, their tone in their voice. And I remember like looking around the hospital and I was all, they had the drip in me and stuff. And I remember just laying there, previously thinking like, who, like who cares like who cares I'm in hospital and then I got off the phone with my parents and I'm like what do you mean who cares like one phone call everything just changed so I remember like my whole headspace changed mm. like it's interesting because you know we've we've spoken off air about this concept of rock bottom and I've asked you the question of do you do you think it's necessary for people to meet their rock bottom in order to change mm. and I will put that question to you in a second but so everyone can hear your answer. But what I what I found when I was listening to you just then is that, you know, you mentioned rehab, counselling, all these different mechanisms to deal with mental health. And then you were speaking about what actually did shift it for you. And it dawned on me that no matter which way you kind of go down, whichever avenue you're going down in terms of the mechanism you use to help yourself with your mental health or mental illness, whichever way you want to put it, it's essentially a perspective shift is the cure, mm. right? And however you access that perspective shift, credit to you, that's your way. But I think, you know, when you were lying there, it was the tone in your parents' voice that allowed you to completely shift from current Elliot's perspective of like, it's all about me mm. and it doesn't matter if I'm here or not. doesn't matter if I'm partying hard to be like, oh, actually, it's not all about me. There's actually a lot of other people at play. And, you know, when you speak about the fact you want to be a dad someday, you're also talking about, you know, you want to actually level up for the sake of, in that perspective, you know, having a kid, you want to be this person for them, which I just think is so powerful because it's essentially what you're doing right now with your podcast is you're providing perspective, which is what will change people, which is what will help them on their journey or contribute to it. It's very interesting. Yeah, it's what I've found with that was that I was playing the victim. Yeah. It was all about me. I'm a victim. Nothing else matters. Poor Elliot. Mm. It's definitely, you, you do the change for yourself. Absolutely. 
But when you've got something that's greater than yourself in terms of like, I, I don't want my parents to bury their son. Yeah. You know, that's a huge motivator f- for me was imagine the pain on my parents that if I kept going down this road, they were going to bury me. And I would never want to be a parent and have to go through that with one of my kids. Absolutely. So it's finding that perspective and that motivation that's greater than yourself. So now the question of rock bottom. You've obviously interviewed a lot of people now with your podcast. A lot of people hit their version of rock bottom. What's your perspective on it? Do you think it's necessary to hit or can can you change before it? I would love to think that we can change before it because that is one of the aspects of the podcast that I'm trying to create is people being proactive about their mental health. I don't want people to get to rock bottom for them to change. I know that a lot of my guests have been to rock bottom and that, but that's 50-50. Like sometimes you get to rock bottom and you don't have the opportunity to change Mm. because you're not lucky enough. Sometimes it gets the better of you. And sometimes you go to rock bottom and then you can just sort of get yourself out of it. But I don't want people to have to go to rock bottom. So if they're listening to the, to the Mind Your Head podcast and they can resonate with a story with, some, with one of the guests and they can almost see themselves in the future and go, fuck, this is, this is what could happen to me. I hope that initiates change before it goes to rock bottom. So, yeah, they definitely can. They, it, you can definitely turn around before you get to rock bottom. But I think human nature... You'll test it. You'll test it. You'll push it. Yeah. Yeah, so interesting. So with your journey, like as in you obviously have a full-time job, your podcast isn't your full-time pursuit. What's your thoughts on this idea of purpose and how do you see your career playing a role in, in this purpose if you believe it to, to be necessary to have one? Um, fuck, that's a good question. Cause, I am the master. Because <laughs> mine are not aligned at all. Well, I've noticed that. At all. Well, firstly, do you believe that everyone has a purpose on this planet? Yes. What's your purpose? So my purpose now is doing this podcast and hopefully creating change in people's lives. That's what I feel like I can offer so much value in that. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm passionate about. And I feel like if I can align my passions in helping people, that's my purpose. Yeah. And that's for the very first time that I've thought about having a purpose ever. Interesting. Because I know that a lot of the people that are in my world, they have this kind of almost an existential crisis about, should I start a podcast? Should I leave my job? Should I? And it's this big Mm. deal. And so that's why I want you to give your perspective on like, can they overlap? Can they coexist? Do you need to be the extremist who is now a podcaster or mm. can you still have your other life? Like, yeah. what would you say to the person that's like in their head about shit, I need to like do this whole thing. I've got this purpose and I need to do it. People's, yeah, it's, it's hard to give advice on, on because people's situations are so different. For me, me working out in the minds allows me to have financial freedom in some way interest rates keep going up um financial freedom but time freedom so i love that well i'm back here for the week i can dive into the podcast so much and i feel like i've got i'm adding so much value while i'm back and then when i go away to work it's me providing for my family too one day i would absolutely love if i could just do the the podcast full time that would be amazing I feel like definitely you can, you can go all in. You can you can also have a passion and then have a job. I think or a purpose. I think it's it doesn't have to be related all the time. I agree. I think it's I think people have this idea that it has to be this or it has to be that or it has to be this. I think it's whatever works for you, whatever you're happy with. I don't like leaving the sunny coast and going away for the work for the week, but I know that I'm providing. And as a man. I've realized one of the things that I hold value to is being useful, um, being ha- ha- being purposeful and providing. Mm. I love that I get to provide for for my partner and my little dog. Like, mm. I love that. Um, I take pride in that. And I also, that's one side of me. That's one side, Elliot. And then the other side of Elliot is, is connecting with people and doing the podcast and finding 
this purpose and having this passion. So I don't think I answered the question fully, but I think there's more than one way to go about it. I think um, you can definitely have your podcast on the side and also have a full-time job. Yeah. What I'm hearing, what I'm hearing is you have to have an assessment of your life, yeah. take inventory of what everything's giving you and keep the things that give more than they take. Your job obviously gives you the finance, financial freedom, security, all these things. And your, you know, your podcast gives you the other things, which is mm. which is awesome, but I think yeah, I think actually you answered it perfectly and I think a lot of people would would get a lot from that answer because yeah, it can be pretty intense when you're trying to start a podcast mm. to be like, should I be, what should I do? How do, how do I go about this? Which I'd actually like you to talk about in terms of the challenges that come with a podcast. A lot of people are unfamiliar with the true challenge that comes with a podcast. So I want you to open up about maybe has your journey with your podcast has it been similar to anything you've ever faced before? Nothing. Interesting. Yeah, nothing. Because it's something that I'm so passionate about. And when you do it in front of other people, because I, I don't know if I've got this competitive side of me or when I play sport, I just want to be the best at it. Yeah. And I take it very seriously. And the things that I talk about in the podcast is sometimes lighthearted, but a lot of the time it's very serious emotional trauma. Mm-hmm. So I take it very seriously. And a lot of the guests that come on have, it's the first time talking about these sorts of things. I do a lot of prep. I do a lot of prep to to understand each topic that we're talking about because I want to be as present as I can be. I don't like just to go in there and wing it, and I like to take it very seriously as 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 I, I think I should. Mm. Um, what I've <laughs> what I've found is even my communication skills. I think I needed to improve. Really, in what sense? One thing that. I do on the outside, outside of a podcast, is when I'm chatting to someone, I often interrupt them when a thought comes in. So we'll be chatting and then you have said something that sparks a thought in my head and before I let you finish, I've jumped in. Yeah. And I don't know if you listened to the first couple episodes. I have. I didn't notice that, but yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I've sort of cut them off and I've I've listened back to some of the episodes and I think I've just got to be a little bit more present and just be a person just to hear rather than trying to always react to what they've said. Something you mentioned um, a couple of weeks ago when we're talking about my podcast that you said that this is your art and it really, I thought about that for for the rest of the day because I never really thought about this as art until you said it Mm -hmm. and it is. I never thought I was a creative person at all. Uh, I always looked up to creative people. I really was like, if you're a musician, if you did you're a painter, if you, you did art, like art design or anything like that, I was like, fuck you. Like, I'm so jealous that you can just put yourself out there for the, everyone to see. And I was really envious of those sorts of people. And the more I thought about what I do and what I like, I was like, Sophie's right, this is art. Like Some people are painters, some people are like you know, potters and all the things, but you're a conversationalist yeah. and there is so much, like there is so much that comes from it. And, and I mean, like all art is really vulnerable. So even if you're not having, you know, a conversation like in your podcast to the person who has a podcast that's listening, even if it's not heavy as such as like trauma, mental health, it if it's true, mm. if it's your truth, it's very vulnerable and um and yeah i see you as an artist i definitely see you as an artist like not every you know painter i feel is doing it for the art of painting some people are doing it for the outcome but you're doing it to express and to impact on that journey as opposed to whatever things at the end of the the end of the race yes and that's something that i've definitely changed in my life is not focusing on the outcome so much mm. or the achievement I'm so wholeheartedly concentrated. And when I've got a guest coming in, I just want to make that the best episode or tell the story as best as I can, regardless of who's watching. Like I was so um, naive or I was just so oblivious that I I didn't think people were going to connect with the episodes. I remember like having a chat with you and thinking like worst case scenario, like me and my mate have just had a really deep conversation. 
Yeah. Or me and my dad have had a really deep conversation and I was like, I remember each, when I first started, I walked out of the episodes going, I wonder if anyone's going to like connect with that. Mm. And that's just me not like realizing maybe the depth or, or how impactful the conversations that we're having. I, I love that about me. I love that I'm not doing this for attention. I'm not doing this for people to watch. I love that people watch. I love that people tune in. But that's not my purpose. My purpose is trying to create change. My purpose is trying to help people be vulnerable with each other. Mm. And I think the outcome, if you focus on that, the outcome will sort of take care of itself. And it is. Mm. like, And it's doing so well. Mm. So it's just so incredible. I want to talk about those fears that you had before you started, before you saw the you know, the crowds <laughs> flooding your DMs being like, this episode changed my life, Elliot, thank you. Um, prior to that, you know, feedback, which you were so worthy of, what was coming up for you? What stories were playing out? Like what were your worst fears of starting this and then XYZ happening? My biggest fears were people, people thinking this was a stupid idea. Mm. I think I gave people too much space in my life with their thoughts or emotions. I think I gave them too much control over mine. Mm. I think I cared too much about what people thought. I think I I didn't do a lot of things in my life because of the thought of people thinking that it was a stupid idea. I was so nervous to start this this podcast thinking that people were just going to laugh and say, that's the dumbest, stupidest thing ever. And I couldn't be more wrong. And but also as I've gotten older, I've realised like I can't live my I can't live with myself only making decisions that people agree with or people yeah. think are good because they're not they're not me. You know, if one of the one of the one of the big things I talked to my parents about was if I'm going to do something and I'm go, if I'm going to make mistakes. I want them to be my mistakes. I don't want them to be someone else's mistakes. Yeah. And I think my parents maybe, <laughs> um, I, I think I gave my parents a hard time when I was a kid because they would give me a lot of advice and I'm probably not a good person to give advice to because I always want to find out things on my own. Yeah. Um, and I think I took advice off a lot of people and just did, did things in my life that they would do in their life and it served me no purpose. So I remember just going, bit the bullet and I was just like, you know what, I don't care if people think this is silly idea or they're going to laugh at me and go, why are you talking about that sort of stuff? I'm going to push that to the side and go, wait, what am I passionate about? I'm, time go, I've realised time goes so quick and, I've, and I want to do things that make me happy and things that I'm passionate about. And I remember going into this, being so nervous about like the reaction of people and thinking like, I was sort of like tensed a little bit going, fuck, I wonder if people are going to, what are they going to say? And I was like, who cares what people think? And the reactions of people have been amazing. Mm. And I'm like, oh man, maybe, maybe I should just do what makes me happy all the time now. Yeah. Maybe there's something to this. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I feel that. I remember you coming in for the first time and like saying your idea and I was like, I love it. And you were like, really? I'm like, yeah, don't you? And you're like, yeah, I do. I didn't think you were going to say that. (laughs) So good. And in terms of like the outcome of it all, what's been your favorite part? Like you were probably six months. Have you been recording for six months now? Yeah, six months. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like, I mean, you're no veteran, but that's a decent amount of time to have, Mm. you know, consistent content coming out, showing Mm. up for your, Mm. for your audience every single fortnight but mm. in between that obviously we we both know the <laughs> prep and all the things that go on yeah um what do you think your favorite part's been the, my, my favorite part is the day that we record yeah like, on track studio vibes that's that's <laughs> christmas day that's um when i get out of bed knowing that oh, i've got to record that day it's the best uh, i love the prep uh, i i really do I, I love the way i do my questions and the way i prep a little behind the scenes BTS. <laughs> um, is that I try to ask the questions that tell a story mm. and going back to the art thing I think I'm a storyteller that's what I love to do and that's how I s- sort of um, stage the questions and I love um, talking to family members of the guests and talking to friends and just trying to get a better idea 
of how to tell this story as best as we can mm. uh, for the person and then secondly for the audience but for that person for the guest that's coming in that's a that's great I love I love doing all that homework um, but my favorite my favorite part is coming into the studio seeing you guys and shooting with the guests yeah that's our favorite part of the week too <laughs> um, yeah I love that I think that the way you the way you do your episodes is unique and it's this is something I always talk about with my in particular coaching clients um, about their podcast is that you know you you listen to other content creators and all the things but having that unique pathway to how you actually do your own episode is going to be what sets you apart and it's going to be what makes you enjoy the entirety of the process Mm. not just the part that's you know the social media snippet going live and like the likes and all the things so I think that's why I if from my you know expert opinion or from the outsider's lens I can see it makes sense that why you've you know why you're riding the wave of success um so far, so good. Who knows what's going to happen? You might crash and burn and I'll have nothing to do with you at that point. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but I think it, it's just, yeah, you should definitely give yourself a lot of credit. And like even even everyone who I run into, they'll be like, how's the studio going? Oh, I saw that podcast. Um, That guy, Elliot, his mm. podcast is so good and rah, rah, rah. And I'm like, yes, yes. it is. Yeah. It is. So I'm very proud of you and it's very exciting to see everything that you you're creating with with the podcast and the community that you're building. Thank you very much. You're welcome. For those who haven't listened to Elliot's podcast at this point, obviously that's your next step. But he has a tr- he has a closing tradition on his podcast that he gets a friend or family member of the guest to ask a question. And yeah, I'm a su- I'm surprised attacking him with a call from one of his best mates. So we're hearing that live, and hopefully it all goes well. Time will tell. Chris, you up? Question mark. Chris, are you up? <laughs> Update, Chris is in fact not up. <laughs> yeah, Chris. <laughs> and nor is Brock. Nor is Brock. And nor is Leffers. Wait, we didn't try Leffers. We went to our true friend, Dad. Dad. Well, we're going to him now. We're Lef- going to be dialing effective immediately. Hopefully, Dad is going to pull through. Hi, Dad. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. You're on the air. <laughs> A surprise attack. How are you? Um, listen, I'm still living the dream. That's good. That's good. But it's not. But the trouble is, it's not my dream. It's someone else's. Oh, that is the trouble. We've got to f- sort that out by, by the know. time of your next appearance on on Mind Your Head podcast. I know. I know. I agree. I agree. So. So, look, I'll give you a little bit of context to my call. Um, sure. It's the fact that I've actually got Elliot on my podcast now, and you know his little closing tradition that he does on his podcast, getting... I sure do. Yes, you do. I'd like to just return the favour for the man himself yes. and, and ask you to ask your question to Elliot and make him answer on the spot. I haven't given you much time to prep for your question, so... All right. It'll be a, it'll be a, a parent-type sort of question about his mental and mental and physical health. So I'll ask that question. Do you want me to ask it now or when do you want me to do it? Yeah, go for it now. Okay, so my question to Al would be, listen, we're proud the fact that he's looked at ways of better improving his health and physical well-being, but from a parent point of view, that's a short-term goal that he's hit. We would like to know what sort of planning he's done more of a, a mid-term and a long-term goal. Where does he see himself in 10 or 15 years sort of mentally and, and physically? Does he have those goals in his mind as well? Good question, Dad. Good question, Dad. Thanks you for that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, long-term, you say long-term physical goals and mental goals? Oh, and mental, both. Um, you know, it's Physical is probably easier to fix than mental. We want to, you know, you're doing some great stuff now, but we want to know where, what have you got in place that this continues in your mental health and as well as your physical health, but where you're going to be in, you know, mid, you know, five, ten years' time and also longer than that. Yeah, I think I've got some, some really good habits in place at the moment now and a really good routine that is benefiting my mental health, I think. Um, this podcast was a huge thing for my selfishly. It's I'm looking at it. It's, it was a huge thing for my own mental health. Um, yep. I want to keep. I want to keep continuing this and growing this as 
as much as I can. I think the feedback that I've received from the podcast from people that has said that it's changed their life or if it's um, it's helped them reconnect with their parents. And I think the feedback that I've received from it has it's almost given me a responsibility to the to the listeners that that what I'm doing is good and I've I'll keep going with it. I think um, the things that I'm doing throughout my day and continuing looking out for my own mental health, I think just being more aware of it is is my long term is my long term goal. I think just to keep growing on what I'm already keep doing. I, um, yeah, and and that's perfect. I mean, that's what we all. I, that's what goals we set. Once we start forming good habits, we want to make sure we continue because it's so hard to to start again. So you've got those good habits starting to be formed and it would be nice to think that in 5, 10, 15 years' time you're still doing the same things and I'm doing that as well, actually. I'm starting to develop a few of those habits as well. Your podcast was me, with me was certainly started to, it was a recheck, a reset for me and I'm starting to develop some, some good some good thoughts for my next 40 years. <laughs> so good. It's the ripple effect of his podcast has affected you and so many others. So, Oh, and that's it. And it certainly has. I've sat down and I've thought long and hard about where I want to be and what I want to do. And I'm not ending my working. I'm not ending. My good years aren't behind me. My good years are in front of me. I might only have 20 or 30 left. But no, I, aim I'm, for 40. I'm yeah, oh, wow, shit, that would be ugly. That, that would be messy. I might need Alex to come and look after me. <laughs> well, you've, you've got a new hip and you've got a couple of new knees, so you should be good to oh, go. Listen, oh, listen, I know. I know I'm rocking. I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to have it. By the time 30 or 40 are up, they'll be doing brains and heart. Oh, they're doing hearts now. They'll be doing brains. I wouldn't want a new one of them. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but, yeah, go back to your question. I think I think I feel better. I feel better mentally and physically now than I did in my 20s. Um, so I think that that whole twenty was a bit of a learning curve for me in so many ways that I'm now I feel like now I'm living a life that I want to live, and that's good because sometimes <clears throat> sometimes we don't we don't do that until we get to fifty or sixty, and our long term partner has got to go through it. You're learning that or done that at twenty, couple of years into thirty, so you're now hopefully going to be set up for. You know, the next 50 and you've got a lady to live with and you'll have a family and you'll be in a better space than a lot of people are. They don't learn these skills or have these thoughts until, you know, it's probably too old and I want a divorce, it's the table. So that's good. Yeah. good. I'm proud. Aww. Thanks, Dad. Thanks for taking the call. None of his other mates did. So, Mate, not, mate, I'm on. I mean, you were our first option too. Oh, yeah, that too. <laughs> no, it was always going to sure, be cool. Sure, 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 sure. Okay. All right. You have a nice day. I'll go back. Yes, Thank as you. you were. Thank All you. All right. I'm Bye. Going. Love Bye. you. Bye. Love, love you. Bye. Beautiful, 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 beautiful yeah. response from dad. And mm. I actually couldn't couldn't agree more. I really feel mm. like mental health is all about what you do every day, not what you do that one time. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's being consistent with it. Yeah. I think for the f- for very first time that I'm putting my health number one. Mm. I'd never thought about my health being number one. Mental health, physical health, it was always probably fifth or sixth down the line. Yeah. Like friends, family, partying, rugby, that was pretty much all ahead of it. Yeah. And what I learned through my journey is that if one of those things, you, you can still continue on. Yeah. But if your health fails, everything else does. Yeah. I've now shifted everything that my health is number one. Over my house, my girlfriend, my dog, my family members, my friends. Your podcast. My podcast. Like I can't be the best host and the best person to do this if my health isn't there. Mm. Um, I can't be the best friend, the best boyfriend. I can't be anything like that. The best version of myself if my health isn't number one. Orientate my life and my choices and my habits and my routine about my, my health, my physical health. What am I eating? How am I sleeping? What? What people am I spending my time with? What excites me? What I'm passionate about? But also, I think what I've realized is that we always we can't always surround ourselves with, with joy and happiness. Mm. I think what I've learned that I've got to experience some pain. And that goes back to the run I did yesterday on Saturday, mm. on Sunday. 
was that I've got to put myself through a bit of hardship. I've got to put myself through some uncomfortable situations and I've got to be comfortable with those uncomfortable situations. And they don't have to be anything drastic, even just... Says the man who ran 70Ks <laughs> yesterday or whenever it was. This run he did. Let's just clarify. It, w- it was 70Ks, right? Yeah, it was from my house in Maroochydore up to Noosa and back. But nothing drastic. <laughs> It's funny because, like, I, I do a lot of, like, saunas and ice baths and there's so much physical benefits to that. I understand there's some science behind that. But the number one reason I do it is because it's so uncomfortable. Yeah. And that's the number one reason I do it is trying to train my brain because I used to be so reactive to situations and my patients and situations and people. Patients in general used to be really, really bad. So when I get in those uncomfortable situations, I just try to, like, concentrate on one thing, concentrate on my breathing and just try to relax and stay calm. Mm. And the more I've done that, it's funny how the more you do those little things will help you in situations in life. Like even just when you get bad news or if you're in, even if you're in traffic and someone cuts you off, like little things like that, you can just let it go. Yeah. And it, I used to hold on to those things. And what I've, what I've learned is just put yourself in, in uncomfortable situations as much as you can and that will just train your brain to becoming better. And that, that run that run on so many different levels was what I needed. Like people were saying, you know, that's going to be a physical thing. And it was, it was a physical thing. But I'll be honest with you, that was 90% mental, 10% physical. Like there's a lot of like inner, inner demons really were coming up. Like a lot of things that I haunted myself with throughout my life, not being good enough, being a quitter. I reckon when I was a kid growing up, and even in my 20s, I quit a lot. I would run from any sort of pain or uncomfortable situations. I'd always run. I'd always take the shortcut. I would always take the easy road. What toll do you think that took on you? Like down the track, always taking the shortcut? Honestly, I thought I was a bit of a coward. I didn't think I was a man. I didn't think that I stood for anything. I didn't think I had any integrity. I thought I wasn't living a life that I knew I could. I think I held myself back from reaching my full potential. I think I showed that in rugby. I think the easiest thing for me to say that the reason I didn't kick on and go further, what what used to help me sleep at night was saying you weren't good enough. Heaps of people don't make it. It's right, you just weren't good enough. I told myself that thinking it would just help me sleep at night when really the more I thought about it, I was good enough. I just held myself back. And now being comfortable with knowing that, listen, you were good enough. It's just you were in, you're, you were holding yourself back from your, from your real potential. And I look back on those things and I used to get really down looking back on those things and knowing what I could have done. But now I use it as fuel. So instead of going, look what I could have done, I now go, all right, that's something not to do. In situations like even starting the podcast, I was so like, no, I'll never be good at it. So I just never tried. So the fear of like failure would stop me from trying things. So I went through so much, so much years of my life not trying anything because I never wanted to be bad at it. And you're bad at nine times out of 10 when you start something new, you're going to be shit at it. And I just never wanted that. I always wanted to be good. And the fear of not being good would stop me from trying new things. It got to a point where that you've got to make a decision on how you want to live your life and how you want to look back at your life. I look back at my 20s. I had a lot of fun and I met a lot of good people and I travelled around the world playing rugby. But there's also a side of me that I look back and go, fuck, like, you you took the shortcut so much. Mm. I made a promise to myself now that I started this journey really in my... when I was 30 and I want to when I'm 40 I want to look back at those 10 years and go fuck you gave it you gave it everything you tried it you didn't care about looking like a fool you didn't care about you've never done a podcast before and you didn't care what people thought you just wanted to do what you love mm. you know you've never run you've never run 5k's in your life but you went out and did 70k's one morning just because you wanted to do it and I want future Elliot to look back on past Elliot and go yeah I'm proud of what you've done Proud of the choices you made. Yeah. Amazing. In terms of the people who are who can relate to what you're saying and like I actually I hear you, Elliot, but I just I don't 
want to fail and it's easy for you because, you know, you've clearly got people who love you anyway. And um, genuinely, they just want to set themselves up for success to start, let's say, a podcast, but the listener listening, apply it to whatever you want to do to put yourself out of your comfort zone. What advice would you give them to set them up for success, like genuine, actual success? Look back on the last six months. What did you actually tangibly put in place to reach where you've got? I wrote down goals that I wanted to do short-term. 12 months, I often get ahead of myself and what do I want to do in five, 10 years? Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, 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 no. What do I want to do in 12 months? What do I want, what do, I want to do this year? I just wrote down, I, would, I wrote down, I would love to start a podcast. All right, cool. How do we, what, what, what are we going to talk about? And then... I was on it's hard it's hard to like give advice because what motivated me and I think I've talked to you about that is like I was on the fence I was like oh I really want to do it I really want to do it but what pushed me over the edge was and it's what sort of pushed me over the edge to do the run was people telling me I can't do something mm-hmm. that's what motivated me it's it's hard to give advice of other people but what motivated me to to originally start it was someone said to me someone who's a who's a friend and I won't say their name because they're actually one of my biggest supporters now on the podcast but they said to me we we went out for dinner and drinks and I voiced my opinion that I would love to start a podcast and a couple of people laughed and said what would you talk about rugby in a like sarcastic sort of way as if like I couldn't as if I couldn't start a podcast and that was what got me over the line really because I hate it when people tell me I can't do something yeah and all the other prep all the stuff that I wrote down was just like little building blocks and then I for me I needed that push off the box I just needed that push into the deep end and when 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 they said that and sort of snicky because when I was playing footy one of my triggers was everyone thinking that I had nothing else to offer but rugby while I was playing I didn't want to talk about rugby because I felt like all I did was rugby so it'd be nice just to go out and just have conversations about anything else and people would make sly remarks saying oh you wouldn't you wouldn't be anywhere if it wasn't for rugby and that really ate at me because I from from as long as I can remember, I always knew I had more to offer than rugby. Mm. And when people said I couldn't do anything else apart from rugby, it was just like a fire lit in me that I can do anything I wanted to do. And again, there were these self-doubts like, maybe you can't do this. Maybe you can't start a podcast or maybe I can't. And then I was just like, you know what? It got a time where I was just like, no, I I can do this and I will do this. And it's almost like, am I doing this to prove that person wrong? Or am I doing this to prove myself right that I can do this? Either which way. Either which way it's you working. want to, is, yeah. And that was that was a huge thing for me. Was just like I think all of us, I think all of us that we all have these grand ideas that we want to do things, and it's the execution that we're lacking. Yeah. And each of us, each of us have our own motivation that we need to get a, across the line. And my motivation might be different to someone else's, but my motivation was someone telling me I couldn't do something. Someone else putting limits on what I can achieve in my life. Yeah. And there were some inner demons that I was putting limits on my own life too. Mm. And I just never wanted to go through my life and have all these fears and limitations of what I can achieve. Yeah. My huge thing was living with regret. Yeah. I never wanted to get to my dad's age and look back on my life and go, oh, I wish I did that. Why didn't I do it? I was scared that people might judge me differently. Yeah. Like that's a huge motivator for me is, is not living with any regret. And, I, and the reason that is is because I look back in my 20s and I regret a lot of, think, of the choices that I made. But at the same time, they've built the person I am today. So I'm just trying to build on that and look back and go, all right, live with no regret who cares if people judge you or look at you differently? And I think I'm getting older. I'm, I'm caring less of what people think. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe 
yeah, maybe just um, trying to ignore when people say I can't do something because they might get me to do something I don't want to do just so yeah, I can prove them next? what's next. But yeah, even even doing that run on, on Sunday, someone mentioned that I probably couldn't run 2Ks. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, you know what? I'll show you. <laughs> so funny. So mm. relatable. I'm a bit similar, I think. Mm. I think it's about whatever, like you said, whatever motivates you, like lean into that motivation. And then, like you said, it's the execution that really trips people up. So putting things in place that actually assist you to execute on whatever it is you want to do. Mm. Amazing. Elliot, thank you for coming on. You're just, you're a hero to many. And I know that so many people are going to get a lot out of this episode, if not from your story of like what you face mentally and physically with the run, Mm. but also mentally with your journey there. But also like pursuing the podcast is so much, like so much credit to you. I'm so proud of you. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Any final words? Um, Any final words? I think I do want to reiterate that for everyone listening, I think it's, really important that we put our health first yeah i think that's a huge thing that i've learned over my 20s is that whatever is going on in your life you're not going to serve others or you're not going to be the best version of yourself unless you put your put your health first mental health physical health that's got to be everyone's priority if everyone's priority is their own health then we should be in a good space couldn't agree more Mm. full stop awesome thanks Soph. thank you